Hey friends, welcome to Think Out Loud with me, a chat cast produced, hosted, and humbly offered by yours truly, Natalie Peterson from my little neck of the woods in Northern Colorado, to you in yours, wherever and whenever that might be. This every once in a while digital adventure is an effort to turn years of internal chatter, wondering, silent suffering, and physical and mental close calls into constructive and enlightening conversation with others. Time is our most valuable asset, and you have a lot of choices on how to spend it. Your sharing minutes and moments with me in my space is a tremendous honor. I aim to connect with you, be vulnerable and courageous with you, inspire you, wonder with you, and ultimately unfold out loud with you within a safe and respectful space. So let's get to it. The universe has issued every single solitary one of us an irrevocable license to be curious and I aim to take full advantage of it. Today is no exception, as I welcome my beautiful guest, Madrone Khalil. Madrone is a certified end-of-life doula for humans and animal companions. She is a death and grief coach, educator, certified breathwork facilitator, warrior goddess facilitator, creator of threshold circles, and a sun door firewalk guide. She founded Taproot Journeys LLC to support clients in these ways and more. Madrone holds a PhD in communication studies from the University of Utah with a specialty in gender sexuality studies, team interpersonal and international communication. She has spent years working in neo-pagan circles, witnessing and working with the healing powers of nature and its beings. A wild and witchy woman, Madrone is a skilled community weaver and has created and led ceremonies for the past 18 years. You'll find her in her element, facilitating the Gaian Collective's drumming into the seasons in Flagstaff, Arizona, celebrating the wheel of the year, as well as Threshold Circles, a monthly online circle honoring the transitions and rites of passage we all go through, creating a safe space for you to be you and me to be me fully. Madrone, I have so much to noodle on with you. With others listening in, please say hi to everybody listening. Hello, Natalie and everyone out there listening. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. It's a huge honor to be able to spend some time talking about all this juicy stuff in life that is, uh, I love what you said about the curiosity, right? So um, I'm happy to get into it. And I love this um, noodling. You'll have to tell me more about how you got into talking about noodling. Let's noodle on this. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I don't know where I picked that up originally, but man, I've made it mine. <laughs> so you and I met as co-authors in uh, helping Tina Green, the self-love queen, uh, bring life to the life-changing power of self-love, an essential guide, which was released in early November, right? Um, and quickly climbed to bestseller status on Amazon. Um, Madrone, you penned chapter seven, you are not broken, finding love in the pain points where you pull back the veil and share some intimate details of living with and discovering beauty and strength in a life of chronic pain, right? I'm going to read just a, a short paragraph, if you'll, if you'll let me. Yes. Chronic pain offers no choice because it is invisible, just like not all disabilities are visible. Sometimes I wish I was wearing a body cast so people could see I was hurting or wish I had a sign that said, 
It's a seven out of 10 for pain in here today to signal empathy or sympathy. There are so many scripts in our world, especially for women, dictating the importance of superhuman independence. Yet we know no one can do life all by themselves. We are riddled with contradiction. I would love to know more just with that as kind of a, a sounding off uh, place, what the experience was for you putting words to paper and, and bringing such intimate details of your personal story to life uh, and, and, and sharing it with the world. Yeah. So I found myself being a bit emotional listening to you read that. I don't think that I've had anybody read my words like that to me. So I really appreciate um, the opportunity to be on the receiving end of something that comes from my inner core like that. (laughs) That is a gift we don't get very often. Um, And that little passage, you know, so I was 16. um, I'll be 50 in March. So like three months. Um, So we're talking about a lot of years. What is that? I'm not a math person. 30 some years of dealing with this degenerative disc issue. And that way of talking about it, this, I wish I had a cast, you know, or like something that would signal to others, it's a seven out of 10 pain in here, um, was my first way of sort of trying to articulate what it felt like living in this body. Um, Because, and so before I even had any words to talk about, like invisible pain and, you know, chronic pain, I didn't have any of this articulation. I was 16, right? What are 16 year olds concerned with? I'm like, why can't I go on the like canoe with my friends because the waves are too rocky and I can't walk for a week afterwards or something that, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm more in the like, I just can't do, can't do, can't do. And so it's been such a journey to get to the place of what's empowering from things that are limiting, you know, in our lives. Um, uh, so yeah, so that I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where the emotion came from in, in, in terms of listening to you read it, but the experience about uh, of writing it was way more cathartic than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I've been, as an academic for you know 20 years um now granted this is a different kind of writing than that but anytime you're writing it's always a very um personal experience i feel like um so i guess i thought it would be just like that but it was way different putting this experience uh, that has so shaped my life um onto paper um i guess as evidenced by the fact that when i hear it read back to me I get all kinds of stuff stirred up and I'm right back to being that 16 year old young girl who's like WTF, (laughs) you know, how am I going to incorporate this into, into our lives? And we all have our thing. You know, this is one of the lessons I got out of this. We all have our thing. Right. And so it's very easy for us to do the whole, well, it's not as bad as such and such. And that may be true. And it's still yours. It's still, I get truth bumps when I say that still to this day. When I, I say truth instead of goosebumps, because what does the goose have to do with it? Right. So <laughs> it's a truth. It's a truth for me. So my body like reverbs and like it gets all the goosebumps. Right. But they're truth bumps. Anyway, so I get truth bumps when I say that because it's so resonant. Right. You know, it's like this is my thing and I have to walk with it this lifetime. Um, and so even though, yes, of course, it could be worse. Um, it's pretty bad. 
<laughs> lots of times, you know, and I have to change how I walk and show up in the world um, because of it, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if there's more, you know, you can ask, feel free to ask me anything about it. Um, well, I, I love just, um, you know, the, the, I was on a walk this afternoon with my partner and talking about um, getting on with you and having read your reread your chapter again um you know and just the different points that came stand stood out to me there's a parallel with and and we talked a little bit about this before we hit record um of there's a mental fitness emotional muscles um you know there's a, a mental side of this um in in the chapter you talk about enoughism um that all of us if there's a thread that you know that strings through um, pretty much every single one of us is this enoughism and, oh, I hurt, but it's not as bad as the next person, you know, or I need to suck it up because I'm blessed. And, you know, there's a, this, um, this, this rigmarole that we go through that we're conditioned uh, to go through um, that I think we've made a lot of strides in, um, bringing light to, uh, you know, this conversation is one attempt at that to the concept of thinking out loud together to talk about our struggles and to say, you may not be able to see it on the outside, what's going on in here, but it's real and it's real and I am enough and I am not too much. Um, and there's, it's just, it's a connection point. I feel with you just an immediate connection point, um, through your writing and who was your, when you thought about your ideal reader, who, who was she, her, they, who were they and, and who were you writing for? Yeah, I loved that question. Um, and I, I feel like I was writing for a lot of, I, I don't know if I had like one specific person in mind, but I think I was writing for the people that feel, um, hence the title, broken um, or hopeless um, because chronic pain is so exhausting. Mm. Um, and, and my chapter was about ceremony um, and how ceremony has helped me heal with chronic pain. Um, and I do think writing also helped me articulate that. And like, I knew that, but it helped me like put all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I went to a ceremony and poof, I was better. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is my walk. Um, but the ceremony helped me see the difference between pain and suffering. And that's one of the things I talk about in there, right? Like pain is a physical thing. You know, right now I have my heating pad on my low back and I have some pain because I had the winter solstice drumming last night. So I, did a little bit too much leaning over (laughs) and things like that. Right. Um, But I don't have to be in suffering about it. And so ceremony helped me get out of the suffering piece, which was the whole reverse of I'm not broken, which we I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken. Right. That narrative. Um, And so instead it's like, no, I'm not broken. This is who I am. And there's a reason why I walk with this journey, this lifetime. Right. And what are those reasons? And one of the things that I love is that um, I call myself a crone groupie. And for those of you that don't know, three phases of women made in mother crone. Um, Some say there's four. They put a queen in there between 
mother and crone. Um, but so crone are women that are past menopause. Crones are women that are past, um, who've gone through menopause. And, um, you know, I love these women and I've, I've been like, I love sitting and listening to stories and just, I've been in all these women's circles with these types of women. Right. And the older we get, the more pain we have. So, and the more suffering we can have from that pain. And so I've been in these communities with these women and I've been able to relate to them <laughs> as a, as a younger person. You know, I just had an MRI a couple of years ago and I said, if you saw this back, this, this MRI of this back on the wall, how old would you say that person is? And it's 65 or 70 year old back, right? So my body is quite a bit older than not only my numerological age, um, or my spirit, which is quite young, <laughs> um, you know, uh, my physical body is a lot older. So I can relate to these crones in a way that not everybody can. That's a gift. You know, we can, we can talk shop <laughs> about what things we need to take care of ourselves, um, in a way that not everybody my age has been able to do. Um, so, you know, I guess it's taken some time to train my thinking of, um, where those gifts are. Yeah. Right? Um, but I did want to mention something you were talking about with the enoughness. One of the things that I love the most about this chapter was I got to address something that's been such a struggle, which is if you've had anything in your life where you're like working hard on it, right? You're going to the chiropractor, you're doing your physical therapy, you're, you're doing your work, you're eating right. Okay. And the thing you're trying to heal from isn't healed yet. Okay. And then you run into that person that's like, well, you can heal your life or you can heal this. And yes, you can. And we are managing a huge amount of things in our world right now. So if the only thing I had to do was sit and work on healing my back, that was my only job. And I was getting paid to do it. I didn't have to worry about anything else. Okay. I think I would move quite quickly, you know, through that in some ways. And I believe that's possible. I believe in the magic and energy of that. But it's not that easy in the world we've created for ourselves. Um, and so I feel like um, what came to me in the writing of this chapter was this idea that um, when people say that it can end up being, when they say, you can, you can heal this, right? Um, it can discount how much effort and work we're putting into the journey of doing our own healing, which is not the intention of those people. Like, don't get me wrong, right? I know those people are very well-meaning. Yeah. But when you have chronic pain, I feel like somebody, if you like jump into my body and you're a person without chronic pain, you might be thinking, how in the hell is that person walking around? Yep. Right. So imagine the amount of energy that I have to use just to function at the same level, somebody else that doesn't have that level of chronic pain. So I'm already like expending more energy. Does that make sense? I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And thank you for the perspective. I mean, the word, compassion, you know, for, and, and just, we don't know what others go through. Um, and, and yes, it very much, um, the, the power of, um, miracles do happen and, and we do make it, um, to the other side. Um, but it's not without our, it is our own journey and it's, it's ours, uh, to conquer, um, and and I do think I I totally agree. People are well-meaning. Mm -hmm. I think we're conditioned to spurt out, spit out 
uh, exact, there's a Rolodex in our mind of, you know, what's the appropriate thing to say here. Um, and we, and, and just before we, you know, really like stop and take pause and, and, um, have a moment of, of just compassion and maybe ask some questions even, um, to understand. Yeah. And listen and listen to the answer. Um, I think people are like, there's a, there's a, a mystery an unknown or a fear. Um, much like there is with death and dying, right? Like with any kind of illness or pain, like chronic pain like this, people don't know what to say, right? I mean, we're very, like you said, the Rolodex, it's like the whole, how are you doing today? I mean, if you've ever tried to actually answer that honestly to someone and then gotten a response for them where they're like, you're like, oh, I'm having a really awful day. Nobody really wanted to hear that, right? Right. Like on a motor on with, the way the day is going, it's like a a pleasantry. It's not like, it's not meant for connection, Mm -hmm. Um, which I, of course, disagree with. I mean, I would rather it be that we could stop and be like, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Created this fast paced, rapid reality. Yeah. Um, That Many of us work to find uh, modalities to slow that baby down, right? Mm -hmm. So actually (laughs) look at what we are staring into. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned death and uh, dying. And I want to make sure we spend a second, a few minutes, not, not a second, a few minutes. Um, It's been just shy of um, two months since I um, received a a call that my own mom um, was on life support and would soon be passing. And within a few hours, I was on a plane to Memphis and Walked into the room uh, to be at her side at four o'clock, little couple minutes past four, and um, holding her hand and praying um, that she be relieved of her suffering and her worry um, that she made a, a daily, um, had a daily habit of, um, witnessed her last physical breath um, just at a few minutes past five. Um, so did she wait for me? I think she did. Um, Were we close? No. In fact, I'd say we were actually somewhat estranged. But in those last moments together, I'm going to get emotional myself. We returned to a a very original state um, of mother and daughter and uh, shared a very quiet and a very real love um, for each other. And the energy was pure uh, that I felt. And um, I know that she knew I was there. And then the room and the world was quiet for just a few minutes um, while I got to help her uh, release. And so um, I recognize, uh, I do, I recognize and have been sitting with the significance of that experience I shared with her um, and Madrone as an, as an end of life doula, um, what a, what a phenomenal role that you play. Um, you believe and you teach that the dying process, this is, these are your words that the dying process done well, and even with drama is one of life's most potent gifts filled with more growth than we can imagine. 
can you just think out loud with me about um, this beautiful gift that you bring to the living world um, and to those that are passing? Yeah, first, let me just say, um, sorry for the loss of your mom. And thank you so much for sharing um, your story. I can, it's like when someone shares a story like that, I feel like I'm right there in the room with you. And in that moment, you can feel it. Um, I'm not like I was, but you know, it's, it's so powerful. Um, In our, in our world, we spend a lot of time talking about birth. And we don't spend as much time talking about death, uh, death and dying. Um, And so I'm really about bringing conversations, uh, bringing life to conversations about death, right? Um, And so you think about it, when you have a birth, you get a a midwife or a doula, and you have all of this preparation um, for the coming in to the world. But for the going out of the world, of this world, this realm, when we take off our earth robes, we don't have this same container set up that we we do. Um, and you know, much like I was blessed to be present at the birth of my one of my nephews, and wow, did we have a lot of things planned? <laughs> and did any of those things really go as planned? No. But at much like when we create a ceremony, the ceremony begins when we start the planning, right? Mm-hmm. So. The ceremony of birth begins when we start that planning. And because we don't do the ceremonial pieces, we're, we're de-ritualizing death and dying in this culture, in this mm-hmm. world. Um, we aren't as set up to experience the literal magic and gifts in that moment. I mean, you just described going back to the primal connection you had with your mother whether you were in, you know, you don't even have to have been in the womb, right? But mm-hmm. that mother-daughter connection at that moment of last breath. And I can't think of anything that's more magical than that. Um, and being witness to any entity, you know, the last breath uh, is like just filled with... Um, so much beauty and mystery and grace. I feel like it's the true definition of grace. Mm-hmm. And I really have a hard time using words to define grace. It's more of like an experience. Um, so I, I, at this point in my practice, am really on the educational component of that and have, um, and, you know, I'm in the um, really trying to help people see the importance in having the conversations, in being prepared. So not afraid to talk to your loved ones, but also like, you don't have to be somebody who's ill or old (laughs) to be having this conversation. I mean, really the cultural shift that needs to happen is that from the moment we're born, we're also having conversations about death, Mm -hmm. right? So that, you know, we have all of our things lined up, you know, like we've written our own, funeral. We've done, we understand the importance of ceremony, uh, and ritualizing that, um, you know, so, so that it's meaningful for everybody because death, as we know, is about the living. The person who died is off to the next journey. Yeah. Death is really about the living. And so that's why it's like, when we do death and dying coaching 
um, or grief coaching, right? It's all about enriching your life now. Mm -hmm. Uh, People think this is like maybe not for them, right? Because it's for something at a different time in your life or that you have to have gone through some giant loss. And we were talking earlier about learning how to train our grief muscles, if you will, um, with all the smaller things that we grieve in our life so that when the bigger things happen, we have some sort of muscle memory to fall back on so that we, um, it's not, doesn't mean we aren't going to be devastated. You know, the, the definition of bereavement, which as my nephew would say, is an old timey word, (laughs) (laughs) but it is, it means to be torn apart. And that's what happens no matter like, like with the quote you read um, about the drama, and it, it, I mean, we can't, it, it's true. It, death brings up <laughs> a lot for family units, right? Um, so there might be a lot of drama in there. But one thing I promise is there's a, a also a huge amount of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I have to cut myself off because I just get so, um, I'm, I'm both passionate, fascinated, and curious about the entire process and journey. Well, and that's your gift um, is to be able to sit in a, in a, in a role, the role that you um, play in. I'm going to start pulling words out of just what you've been sharing and the experience of it to have a guide, to have someone that's walking with you that has um, there's a, it's, there's, like the it's the opposite of being removed from the situation it's being invested in it in such a way that um you're able to guide as if you're one step ahead it, you 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 have no idea what they're going through at the same time you have every idea of what they're going through and so you're able to just gently and confidently um walk with someone um i imagine this place uh, in my own journey and my own experiences of finally getting to a place where as I've learned and I've grown, I've been constantly reaching for the hand that's been extended to me. And it's in, in different tribes. Um, We mentioned Tina at the beginning, she was somebody that early in my own, my own kind of headspace and, and, um, and I'll say my own crazy making that I had, um, her hand was extended and man, I grabbed it and finally getting to a place where I can confidently turn and extend my hand back. I'll never not, I'll never stop looking for the hand extended, but I now have the ability and the confidence and the space and, um, and the, the peace to extend my own hand back and to pull. And it feels like that's a place that you play. Um, that's a role you play beautifully. And, and thank you. That's like a super awesome, uh, visual and compliment. Um, thank you for that. And I just think we need to not understate how hard it is to grab that hand. Mm-hmm. For so many folks. Mm-hmm. Right. That hand is extended. I and mean, we have a lot of hands extended around us. And it takes a lot of courage to grab the hand and lean into um one of my teachers, Linda Starwolf, who did the um how I did the breathwork training with, um, talks about the light and the dark, no difference. Mm-hmm. Right. 
a lot of courage to lean into that place where the light and the dark are going to be showing up equally um, for us. They do all the time, but to lean into being, you know, prepared to look into that is um, a courageous uh, experience. And one of the things I wanted to mention when you were chatting about um, the extension of, of hands and whatnot um, is that difference between one of the things that if you grab the hand, somebody in like my world can help you shift from grieving into mourning. And this is something I just recently took a, a training um, with Dr. Wolfelt, who's a leading grief studies um, person in the field. And I hadn't really realized the difference between grief and mourning, but grieving is something we do internally and mourning is something we do outwardly. And it seems like a no duh, <laughs> but what's happening as we're de-ritualizing death and dying, right? You know, it used to be that somebody would, um, somebody would pass, somebody would die. Then we would have an internal time in our home. Then when we came out, we would wear black for amount of time and people would say things to us and we would have to acknowledge that the person died. Now everything is internal. Like we don't have these external markers for people. You know, like I have um, some pins that say, be gentle with me, I'm grieving. You know, that other end of life doulas have beautifully sold for folks, right? So that we have some external marker. But one of the things that I have in my wheelhouse that I love to work with clients that uh, in this area is on creating ceremony and personalized ritual um, to help you with that mourning process. Because mourning is like done outwardly, right? So if you come to something that's a ceremony and you outwardly give some voice to what's going on in your grieving, right? You're doing that mourning. But in, grief needs to shift. It has to shift um, with an action. So you, you, so like, for example, uh, setting up an altar to your mother at the holiday of things that maybe were happy memories. If, if, if someone can come up with those or dreams you had of what could have been happy, right. But setting up an altar, that's an action. That's an outward thing, right? It's not just me in my head doing my grief work. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And so this is how we shift our grief. And so we're missing some of the mourning process. We're not being good mourners as a culture. You know, in other societies, there's wailing walls. And this is another reason why um, breathwork processes are so great is because people can be in a safe container to scream and cry and shout. And, you know, now fortunately through the magic of Zoom, we can do these things with people all over the world online you know, and give people a safe container to do that mourning. Um, but it's, it's hard because, you know, from the moment we come out of the womb, we cry. That's our first medicine. We know it's an outward vocal thing. And then we have messages our whole life, especially if we're raised in a masculinity kind of um, tradition, right? That you don't cry. Don't show that to people. Right. And so, um, there's just a lot of work to be done in this um, spot of grief to mourning. And I, I feel like the ceremony, I mean, it was the same with my, just to bring a full circle with the chronic pain, right? Mm -hmm. I had a lot of grief work and until I got to mourning where I could scream it out, which is what I talk about in that chapter where I could let that blood curdling scream yes. Yes. come 
out with all the pain and anger and just pissed offness about why, why did this happen? You know, why me? Right. All that stuff. It's okay to have that. Um, you know, I couldn't really move forward until I could do that, that release. So, and you have to sometimes keep going back and doing it again and again and again, you know, it's a spiral. And in that way, uh, if I, if I can pull out a few things, um, in the de-ritualizing and the kind of um, impersonally impersonalization, really, um, of these different phases in life, it feels like, and I'm, I don't know, this may be an awful segue, I might be trying too hard here, but I really want to think about um, the concept, I introduced your company, Taproot Journeys, and this concept of a taproot being an anchor, an anchor root, right? And that if you are anchored um, solidly and um, you're, you've got your legs about you, that this, these different passages and these diff- different um, thresholds um, that you come into um, and come, ac- come upon, um, you're able to more readily and I wouldn't say easily, but there's a readiness, if you will. I mean, still, you're still taken off guard. You're still whammied with the drama and the and the unexpectedness of it all. But that um, there is um, growth and development that you can be working on over the course of your life, um, so that these different rites of passage and um, transitions don't take your legs out from underneath you. Um, Am I perfectly? And that's why I named it Taproot Journeys because anchors, I could have been like called it the anchor, (laughs) but it's the first and strongest root of all where all the other roots come from. Mm -hmm. So if we can have that strong taproot in our life, we can do that work of leaning into the, the hard growth pieces because we know we have that center core Mm -hmm. and so like what i'm interested interested in doing is helping people cultivate resilience by nurturing their taproot you know and so we do that with all these different modalities um and and i think there's there's the beauty in the courage it takes to lean into doing this kind of of work you say on your website um, about uh, allowing you to hold strong as your life shakes. Yeah. It's such a visual for me. It's just like, wow. Like I, it's like, you can, that really is what happens. It's like life just out of it. And it can be out of nowhere. It can be long time coming, but it's like brrr, the ground starts rumbling and the emotions start percolating and man, throw a family in there, throw um, any of the bazillion other things that we're dealing with that timing, you know, we can't possibly control no matter how hard we try. Um, and yeah, it's this ability to, to stand strong and the amidst the crazy, right? The loving, there's loving crazy love. It's, it's a beautiful crazy of life. Yeah. And it just takes um, a lot of practice. I mean, that's why we call it a practice, like a spiritual practice, right? Like we don't just like, I mean, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm going to keep practicing this my whole life. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that I feel like I have down. And then 
something happens and I'm, I'm not, I'm not as down as I thought I was. Right. And, and then because I have a stronger taproot and sometimes that strong taproot is just even the awareness and understanding that you can grab a hand. Yes. Right. That you don't have to do this by yourself. Um, you know, and, and I'm constantly working with the seasons and the elements metaphorically and sometimes physically, but like, this is where, um, I have a new offering, um, there, um, it's a fire cycle, um, coaching session and it's four sessions. And we kind of go through the spark, the flame and the ember in our lives. Um, and there's another little one in there, which is the air. And that's the, the breath work piece where we clear our fire pit, right? So we got to get rid of all the, eh, <laughs> the stuck stuff that's making it so we can't really actually stoke our flame, mm. burn as brightly as we, we can. Um, and today, again, I just can't say enough about like what we have done to ourselves, <laughs> as as a world you know i'm all about like i i there are so many technologies i benefit from and we have to be spe- spending time paying attention to our roots yep. right to the earth the elements you know um it's like water for flow air breath what is the thing um uh, earth my body body water my blood air my breath and fire my spirit mm. right like this is a mantra that we have to be really living in every step we take. Yes. Um, and it's a practice because these phones <laughs> are distracting, right? And, and that's just one distraction among many, um, especially when we're going through something really challenging like death and dying, mm-hmm. right? And so I just keep going back to how ceremony is one of the biggest um, healing gifts that we have. Um, and I think we are ritual beings. We are storytelling beings and we are ritual beings. And we have been like that forever. Um, so this is something we know how to do well. It's just a remembering Mm -hmm. of putting those pieces back together to remember. Love it. Love it. Taproot Journeys is uh, a very unique name and um, it's easy to find online. There's your um, the the new coaching um, session, the fire cycle coaching sessions um, is there. Um, Taprootjourneys.com. You're on Facebook with the same extension. You're on Instagram with taproot.journeys, um, but just a simple search will pull you up. Um, and then on LinkedIn, which I think is a completely untapped uh, market for all of these things. Um, speaking of, um, you know, bringing attention to the things that we we try and uh, stuff down and uh, stay professional and and keep our our smiley face on at all times. Um, LinkedIn at Madrone Dash Khalil. Um, you live in the snowy mountains of Flagstaff. 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 Way up for Flagstaff with your with your wife and your fur kiddos, as you call them. Um, what are the winter months have you brewing uh, next on your calendar of magic? Yeah, so um, we just had a beautiful winter solstice uh, drumming yesterday. We did our Yule log a little early because it's you know people are taking off for the holidays. As solstice is the twenty first, um, so we just had that, and then um, 
The first threshold circle is uh, February 8th, um, and that's under the events section on my webpage. And then February 17th, um, so that's an online circle once a month. And just to just to say this here um, for anybody who is interested, we're really trying to create, I co-facilitate that with um, a really awesome woman named Erin McCusker, who has a group called Circles of Joy. And um, we are trying to create a container for people to walk together monthly, right? Mm -hmm. So you can drop in if you want, but we really are trying to get a group of people that can be in witness to each other once a month with all the many thresholds that we're crossing, rites of passage, transitions, et cetera, right? To create that supportive community. And what we do is we offer a little bit of some education. We have some time for reflection with music and whatnot or meditation. And then we have a witnessing circle. Um, so that's really kind of the format of those. And then I have a um, breathwork metamorphosis face-to-face um, event February 17th here in Flagstaff at Northern Arizona Yoga Center. Um, and so really looking forward to that. Um, it's called Shattering Your Limits of Love. Um, mm-hmm. So keeping on the self-love theme and really exploring through our breathwork. Um, and if you haven't done breathwork, it's really more of like a trance journey in, in ownership of your own healer, um, and, and meeting that healer and, and releasing what's not serving you. Um, and so perfect for the commercial Valentine's day time, (laughs) um, really get into the self-love piece. And so shattering those limits of self-love. Beautiful. Beautiful. Madrone, thank you for being here and sharing such a special space with me. I have uh, been excited to connect with you on a more intimate level and this time together. And uh, though short um, has been, it's, it has exceeded my expectations. And I, I know that you and I um, will have much more to connect on. And uh, I'd love to have you back yeah, uh, thank you. as we, as we grow so together. Much. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about all of these important um, ceremonies and topics that are so near and dear to my heart. It's a true honor to be able to um, be, I almost said circle. I feel like we're in our own circle here with you, and um, especially somebody uh, like yourself that I admire. Um, So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Um, Think Out Loud is a project. Um, it morphs and it ebbs and it flows with my mood, what's on my mind and my heart and with whom I've crossed paths as I wander. Um, I have no end game of fame or fortune, uh, from it's being aired, just that my words and the words of my guests give rise and light to another sense of self and belonging. Um, casting brings me relief actually. And I'm grateful for the strength to share and the opportunity to connect and find clarity and power and even my vulnerability. Um, Every single cast that I've done and everyone that I do will fulfill me. Um, Every conversation has left me enriched, this one included. Um, You can find every cast I host and more about my own magic online at bloomstruck.com. You can buy a book, book a session, socialize, and send me even sweet nothings uh, there too. I appreciate you, Madrone, and I appreciate everyone who has listened. I look forward to thinking out loud with all of you again soon. Thank you. Tell me what's next.